Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Smile at someone next to you and say you came to the right place today. Amen. Come on. You can have a seat. Amen. Well, we're closing um, the series on Joseph, a series about dreams. Uh, I love this series and I'm very thankful to have been able to dig into something that I feel like is going to be encouraging to you for a long time to come. I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to go over it a lot today, but I'll ask you to kind of remember what we've talked about in this series and remember the power of your dream is not just simply how it affects you, but it's the space that it makes for others to find their place in it as well. Uh, today, as I kind of land this, I have an idea here about uh, what, what I feel like the Lord wants to do today. Uh, I'll ask my Uncle Michael, if you, if you don't mind, Uncle Michael, just stay over there at that. Just tell him, grab him, tackle him. Come on. Yep. Bring him back up there, that keyboard. I, I liked him up over there on that keyboard. We'll get him. We'll get him eventually. He's, he's, my, he's my number one G right there uh, when it comes to get, give a hand for Uncle Michael. That's my, that's my man. You could call out any, any song on, on command, on, on demand. He'll, he'll pull it out. That's that, that anointing. But, uh, you know, just, just quick updates. I'll get, I'll get right in because God is just, the, the spirit is so sweet here today. I love what the Lord is doing. But uh, yesterday was my son Jude's 18th birthday. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. We had a, a very small gathering outside where that was kind of distance where people were kind of away. He's got to be very careful in this time. Just finished his second round of chemo. Uh, again, I just want to be so grateful and thankful to everyone that's here. Um, we've had, just so you know, we've had so many people asking how to give toward him. It's kind of a strange thing for us because like we don't want to appear in any way as if we're trying to get people to give uh, to Jude. We're, we're taken care of and God has blessed us so much, but uh, just people are asking everyone. They're like asking people in the parking lot, where, where can I give to help Jude? And so uh, I think someone came uh, and put together some kind of GoFundMe page for Jude, and that will go directly to Jude to help uh, kind of offset some of the things that he's going through right now. Uh, also, you know, he, he doesn't have his graduation. He's not going to be able to do a lot of the things that, uh, you know, that he thought he was going to get to do. So uh, I, I see where you're coming from, wanting to bless him in that way. So that's a pretty sweet thing. So you'll hear more about that soon. I don't know all the details, but I know someone has organized that. Um, also, I want to just say thank you to everyone once again who's been so supportive of my family during this time. It's so meaningful uh, to us, and you're, you're just such a huge blessing. And hey, uh, Friday... Whatever you've got going on, I can't imagine if you're married that it's more important than Love Strong. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. You may be like running for president or something. Just cancel the inauguration. Come to Love Strong. This is a, a very big deal. Uh, we're going to have Earl and Onika McClellan. They're some of my favorite communicators in the world. They're not just communicators. They're anointed preachers, and they're married. They have a phenomenal marriage. Uh, come Friday, it is going to be truly unbelievable. Marriages are going to be restored. We're going to get in the presence of God. Lives are going to be changed. I cannot wait. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. So turn with me, uh, Genesis chapter 50. Oh, wait, I, I opened the wrong, I opened the wrong one here. Let's see here. That's the, that's the wrong message. Better hope that I get the right one, y'all. That ain't even my right text. I better grab 
Uh, somebody needs to grab my phone out of back. Oh, wait, no, I got it. Yep, I got it. Boom. I'm about to preach off my phone. Ah, yeah, Genesis 39, chapter 2, verse 3. That's a better text for today because that's the one I study for. Uh, it's, it's really good. And it, it says this right here. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. So this is when he's living in Potiphar's house. After he has been abandoned by his brothers, left for dead, sold into slavery, stripped of his identity, now sold into someone's house. It says the Lord was with him. Look at someone next to you and smile at him and say, the Lord is with me today. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Put your hand on your heart and say, I may be in a pit right now, but the Lord is with me. Come on, say, put your hand on your heart. Say, I may be in Potiphar's house right now, but the Lord is with me. It says, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master when his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. You may be locked up today in a season of your life where you feel far away from your dream, but nobody can stop God's favor from blessing you and causing you to elevate in whatever part of your life you happen to be in. It says that God favored him in everything. Somebody say everything he did. That means when, when he was assigned a small task, there was favor on it. When he was assigned a large task, there was favor on it. In his conversation, and he found favor in Potiphar's eyes and became his attendant. And he put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted his care to everything he owed. From that time, he put him in charge of his household, and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. You can have so much favor on your life that you bring favor into other people's lives. If you don't quit on the dream and you don't quit believing that God loves you and cares for you and is for you and is with you. Somebody say he's with me. If you just believe he's with you, that favor is going to rub off on somebody else. If you don't quit and you keep your heart right. It says the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. His personal life was blessed. The field was blessed. Was it because of Potiphar? No. Who was it because of? It was because of Joseph. Joseph didn't get a funky attitude. Type in that chat. Say, don't be funky. T type in there right now. Say, do not be funky. Look at someone next to you. Say, don't get a funky attitude. Don't get no funky attitude. Just because you've been through some funky things don't mean you've got to get no funky attitude. You can keep your heart right. If we can just keep our heart right, we're going to see the dream come to pass. Look at this. Verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. Now, this is after Potiphar's wife made a move on Joseph. By the way, the Bible says that Joseph was well built and handsome. I thought that's interesting because it, it said two different things. It's like they're two different things. It's, like, it's not like he had a good looking face, but he didn't have no abs. No, he had abs too. He had some abs 
He had the face. He had it all. Joseph had it going on. So he's blessed in every single area of his life. She tries to hit on him. He bounces, leaves his clothes in her hand. She tries to grab his clothes. He runs off. She comes up with a story. He gets thrown in jail. She lies to her husband. Oh, he tried to hit on me and, and comes up with this thing. It says Joseph Master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Does that sound familiar to you? And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for it's like you want to demote me. That's fine. If I got the favor of God on my life, you can demote me all you want. But I'm going to have favor to whatever level you put me down to. Because the Bible says promotion comes from the north. God is the one in charge of giving the favor out. You're not in control of that. So, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in what? Whatever he did. Put your hands in the air and let's take a 10 second praise break that God is with us and we'll get. Come on. Give a true praise break to the Lord. 10 second. Hallelujah. Give him a shout today. If he's been with you, if he's been good to you, come on, praise him online. Type praise the Lord in that chat today. He's been good. He's going to give me success in everything I do. All I have to do is make sure that I keep my heart right. Say it to somebody next to you. Say, keep your heart right. Father, bless this series today as we're closing it out. Bless this message today. Let there be a spirit of peace, of joy, of, of praise in this place, of expectation that you're about to do something great. Uh, in the lives of the people in this church, in this room, in this city. And we thank you for what you're doing, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uncle Michael, just keep playing today. Just, I, I just like having you up there. You're doing too good at that beginning part. So now you're paying the price for it. You got to play <laughs> the whole entire time. <laughs> so, so one of the things I love about this story uh, is, is at the end of the story, when Joseph's brothers come back to Egypt and need Joseph. Don't you love, if you've never heard the story, I'm sorry if I'm just kind of going through it. You're like, I don't even know what happened. Well, I mean, what happens is that Joseph's brothers uh, abandon him, leave him in that pit. He gets sold to Potiphar's house and he finally interprets a dream. He gets thrown in prison. He interprets a dream of, of, of some guys in prison. And they, then the Pharaoh has a dream years later and they remember and say, oh, this guy interpreted my dream. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And when he interprets Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh puts him up to the second highest position in all of Egypt. And years later, his very brothers, during the famine that Joseph predicted through the dream, and also what the, his original dream was about, they come back and they need help from Egypt and they don't recognize him. He's so sophisticated and so much older. 22 years later, they don't even recognize him. And so he's kind of messing with them a little bit. He, you know, not that he's angry. He just wants to see these brothers that he loves so much that abandon him. He wants to kind of, since they don't recognize him, he's speaking a different language, using an interpreter. He kind of puts them through a couple of different tests and multiple times. As a matter of fact, three times in his engagements with them, giving them like little tests that he's just kind of seeing where their heart is. Go get your younger brother. They say, oh, we can't. Our father's already lost one son. He can't lose 
his, his youngest now, Benjamin, he goes, no, you go get him. And he gives him all these tasks. And multiple times he has to excuse himself and go back and weep. What does that show me about him? It shows me that all of the opposition that he faced, all of the trials that he faced in his life never hardened his heart. Come on, please don't let your heart get hard. If you're here today and your heart has been hardened by the things that you've been through in your, in, in your life, I just ask you today, the Bible says that God will take your old heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. David said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You can ask God to give you a new heart, but don't be satisfied with going through your life knowing that your heart is hardened. Who wants a soft heart for God today? Raise your hand if you want to. Right up in the air if you want a soft heart for God today. You want a tender heart before the Lord. And I'll tell you something. I don't know how Joseph kept his heart tender. I don't know. The Bible doesn't really tell us a lot about his personal prayer time. I know that something happens, and I'll just point out as we're closing this series, just to kind of bring some finality to what we're talking about in this room. He started out as someone who dreamed dreams and didn't necessarily know what they meant. Somewhere in his maturation process with God, he gained enough spiritual confidence and insight to interpret dreams. So we see spiritual maturity. We see a, a bold faith in God when he's talking about the God of Israel. We know that he's got a faith in God. That can only come from worship. So I'm just going to tell you today, if, if you have lost your ability to praise, if, some, if you've been through something in your life and you've lost your ability to praise, you've given something power to take your praise Whatever has the power to steal your praise will soon come after your peace. Whatever you have given the power to steal your praise will soon come after your peace. And if you're here today and you've got no peace, I bet if you start doing the math, when did I lose my peace? It's when you lost your praise. It's when you lost the ability to come into the presence of God and throw your hands up in the air and praise him like you just don't care. Throw your hands up in the air and just give him a shout of praise and just thank him for what he's done. I bless you. I worship you. I thank you. And what, ha what happens is we go through things in life. We say, I bless. Oh, I forgot. I got a flat tire. And it costs 240 to fix it. And I've only got 142 in my bank account. We, we, remit, we get these things and we let things steal our praise. Whatever has the power to steal your praise will soon come after your peace. We don't need to think about praise as a thing that we do. We need to start thinking about praise as something that we are. Come on, my life is praise. It is not just an, an action that I participate in. I am a man of praise. I was born to worship the Lord. I was born to give him glory, to give him praise in everything I do. When I wake up in the morning, it's supposed to come out of my mouth first. 
I bless you, Lord. Thank you today for giving me life. Thank you for giving me breath. I worship you. That sunlight that I see hitting me in the eyes right now, you created it because you are Elohim, the strong creator. God, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. I praise you. I honor you. I bless you. I love walking around all the time. I don't care if I'm at the bank or if I'm at the mall or whatever. And I just say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I've had people before just stare at me. What are you talking about? I don't have to tell you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just bless you today. I just worship you today. Just word, just under my breath, right? Right? Why? Because I'm born to praise. I am praise. Praise is not something I do. It's not something you do. It's something you are. I don't know if you guys remember John McCain, the politician John McCain. But John McCain passed away a few years ago, but he was a, a POW in Vietnam for five and a half years. Five and a half years he was in captivity and was tortured, gruesome torture. And he and the group of soldiers that had been captured would be beaten and humiliated. And they figured out a way to keep their morale together. One man by the last name of Christian had a small patch of the U.S. flag. And when no one was looking, they would get that flag and they would hold it up. And every single one of them would get together and they would say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And it kept their morale together. They remembered what they were fighting for. And you know what? One day they found that patch and they drug that man in solitary confinement and they beat him beyond recognition, took the flag from him and threw him back in the room with all of those other prisoners. And when he was laying there on the floor, he had lost so much blood that his skin was lily white. His body was completely blue from the bruising red blood dripping out of his mouth, his ears, his nose. And those men looked at each other and they looked at him and made eye contact with him. And they said something came over them and they realized at that moment, at that moment that he had lost the patch that had the red, white, and blue, but he had become the personal embodiment of red, white, and blue. And without anyone saying anything, they put their hand on their heart to him and said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. He didn't just possess the flag. He became the embodiment of the flag at that very moment. And that is what our worship must become. We must become. If you're here today, you're alive. You can give God a praise today. Come on. We have to become the embodiment of what praise is. If you're waiting for the right song to praise, you'll wait your whole life. That means you're relying on someone. If you're waiting on an invitation to the right room to get revival stirred up in your heart, you might wait your whole life because you might not be able to get in a car that can drive far enough to get there. But if you believe that the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That if you choose at any moment to praise God, wherever you are, 
and you make your praise a part of your DNA. It is who I am. Praise is not an option for me. It's the only option. It's how a church should be. Now listen, churches can operate in different ways. That is fine. I don't, I mean, I think that stylistics are important. Sometimes people sing traditional music and, and, and they're passionate about their worship. Sometimes some churches have flags and people doing cartwheels all over the place. That's fine. If, they, if that's the way culturally that their church does it, my goal is to not say I'm superior to this person. They're, you know, they're inferior to me. They're unbiblical. That's not my point. My point is to make sure that our church we are passionate about our worship, that we're giving God a true praise every single Sunday, that we come here bringing it, making sure that the Holy Spirit knows that we are conduits, we are living vessels, because I think there's a way we ought to conduct ourselves in church. First Timothy 3, 14 and 15, Paul says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's house. What that means is that there are some ways that we should act in church. There are some things at a minimal that we should do in church. You know, Matthew 6, 9 and 10 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. What? As it is in heaven. And what do you see in heaven? Well, read Revelation. Read Revelation when you see the, the angels praising God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When you see the, the 24 elders throwing down their crowns at, at the, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. When you see this heavenly depiction of music and worship and honor to God, it better be like that on earth. Oh, and it better be like that in church. We better be praying. If we want to keep our heart right and keep our heart tender through the tough times in life, we have to make sure that we are people of praise. There's some, you know, there's some revivals going on in our, our country right now. And I love that. I think that's wonderful. I, I grew up studying revival. I, I mean, one of my favorite revivals is the Welsh revival. Evan Roberts and, and the way that that revival was started with, with children and kids and just the purity of that. And people came from all over the world to be a part and to be near what God was doing. And it was contagious. And I'm seeing that, that a lot of seminaries and, and, and Bible schools and, and places all over the country where people are just hungry to be in the presence of God. I remember years ago, you know, before I even knew David and Nicole Binion, I had not even met them yet. This is in the late 90s. Uh, someone gave me a tape. Now, anybody, if, okay, admit right here, if you're OG enough to remember before viral videos, sometimes you would get a tape. Anybody remember getting a tape? That's the OG viral right there. Somebody gave you a tape. They said, man, listen to this tape. So what is that tape? I said, you just got to listen to it. Now, I put this tape in. And on this tape, man, was just all these songs. I didn't know where they came from. Some of them were from like Scotland and, and just England and, and uh, all these just people worshiping in different ways. You hear people crying and I just, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, golly, what is this? People are just desperately seeking God. This sounds unbelievable. Then I heard David and Nicole Binion singing on there. I heard Nicole's voice and, and just, I just thought oh, it was so beautiful. And it just, the, the presence of God was so strong. 
and then I, I, Tommy Tenney was, was coming to town. He wrote a book at that time called The God Chasers. And I remember like driving like six hours to go stand in line. I didn't know anybody. Go stand in line to get in this place where Tommy Tenney and David Nicole Binion were. I didn't even know who they were. But I think we were there out in line for like six hours to get in this place. Went in there, the presence of God so strong. Most of what we did in that room experiencing those kinds of revivals was centered around praise. My parents grew up. When you see the movie Southern Gospel and you get a chance to see that, there's a whole entire part of that movie. I mean, the movie is an hour and 49 minutes. Originally, the original cut was like two hours and 40 minutes. There's entire chunks of that movie that I wrote that and shot that show my parents in revivals and evangelism throughout the, the early 70s when I was born. That's all they did was go to cities and preach and get in the presence of God. And night one, it would start out with 50 people. Night two, 100 people. Night three, 200 people. And there'd be people outside hanging in the windows. And the presence of God, revival is so powerful. But most of what revival is, it's praise. It's people that are willing to praise. People that are willing to be content just seeking the presence of God and getting filled with God's goodness and his glory. But you know, faith is never something that happens by a passive bystander. Don't be the person that's just peeking in the window. Be the person that is participating. If you are peeking in the window, you better make sure you have your hands up in the air. You better make sure that praise is coming out of your heart. Don't just be there to see what's going on. Come on, if you're here today, we got, you know, we got four minutes and 50 seconds left. Be a part of the rest of it. Actively be a part of it. I'm going to go over that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to go over that 450 right there. We have to be people that condition ourselves to learn how to praise. I think one of the ways that we do that is... I think amen is a good way to do it. Amen means let it be. Did you know that every time Jesus said verily, verily in scripture, that's what he was saying. He was saying amen. That, that's, that's something that can be translated for amen. Amen is a word that has way less to do with who's doing the talking and more to do with you saying, I agree. I make that so. It means let it be so in my life. If anybody says I want to be a person of prayer. It don't matter who it is. And you say, amen. You have just taken that word and made that your word. Amen. You have made that something that God is going to do in your life. So we got to be a church that not just says, amen, but lives, amen. in everything that we do, amen. Come on, touch, touch 10 people around you real quick. Just touch them real quick. Say, amen, 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 amen. Come on, tell us some amens. I don't know how you say that in Spanish. Just kidding. Amen. 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 Amen, pastor. <laughs> right? Right? Okay. I got you. Well, that's one thing I love about our church, though, is that our praise can be diverse. Black, white, Puerto Rican, Dominican, redneck. I don't care. Just redeemed in Jesus' name. Let's let our praise ring out to God. That's the beautiful thing about praise. It doesn't really have a language, does it? It can be in tongues. It can be in English. As long as it's coming from the heart and it's directed toward the throne room. Let's let our praise ring.
Amen is said 55 times in the New Testament. 55 times. Psalm 106 and 48 says, let all the people say amen. Let them say it loud too. Mm, that's what I'm talking about right there. He said, let the people say amen. As a matter of fact, even the angels say amen. Revelation 7, all the angels were standing around the throne and all the elders and the four creatures, they fell down their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Come on. As a matter of fact, Revelation 3.14 says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the amen. Jesus is writing that. He says, If you say amen, you're saying my name. Because my name is the amen. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. When I say something, it is so. So we've got to be people of Praise. Somebody say amen again. Amen. We're going to say it. I mean, so, so remember when I told you that whatever takes your praise, your peace will follow. It'll take your peace. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So let's stand on our feet and just rejoice for a second. Just give him a praise. Give him a shout. Come on, put your hands together. Speak Spanish, English, any language you can speak, tongues, it don't matter what it is. Let's take 20 seconds and give him a praise. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. We worship you. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. And again, I say rejoice. Now give him a shout of praise. Come on. Stay on your feet. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So that means that when you find out that somebody you love has got cancer, when you find out that you didn't get the job, when you find out that person you were praying for didn't make it. See, these are scenarios that happen in our life. That we cannot exclude these scenarios from what the Bible is telling us. It doesn't mean that what you're going through is not painful. It doesn't mean it's not devastating. It doesn't mean it's not heavy. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. As a matter of fact, it means it does. It's telling you how to never lose your peace. It's saying, yeah, prayers and petition, they're important. God, help me out of this. God, I can't live without you. You got to save me. You got to save the situation. I'm not the healer. You are. We pray those prayers, but it says with thanksgiving. So what I'm saying is that keep your praise engaged. Keep your praise high. Oh, just take a second before that and praise him for all that he has done. Oh, God, I thank you so much today. Woo! Make yourself Shout. Give yourself some joy. Get a smile on your face. Praise the Lord from the depths of your soul. Oh, man. And then listen what it says. It says, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means, you know what it means in layman's terms? It means it don't make sense. 
It, it means it just is crazy. It means that in the middle of a situation, it's like, I don't know how y'all felt. I'm his dad, but last week, I don't know if you saw the second service, but Jude sat up here in the second service talking about how good God is. He just had this little grin on his face about how good God is. How can somebody do that? You know what it is? It's the peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't make sense. It's not rational. You can't figure it out. All that you know is that God is behind it. It says that it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So remember, whatever has the power to steal your praise is going to come after your peace very soon. So I just encourage us. Let's be amen people. Let's be hallelujah people. Oh, come on. You, you're allowed to keep saying it for a second. We'll, we'll, we'll take a 30 second hallelujah break because hold on before we do it. It's fun to say hallelujah. Because how is that Hebrew word, which means praise. Yah or Jah is that shortened form of Jehovah. So hallelujah literally means praise to God. That's a word we need to bring back. People getting weird parallelogram tattoos. I don't even know what them jokers mean. Get hallelujah tattooed on something. If you're going to get something tattooed, get hallelujah. Oh, no. I'm going to get sued. Sorry. I'm just saying. I'm going to get parents mad at me. I'm just saying hallelujah is a fine word. It's a wonderful word. Hallelujah will set you free. When you're in your prison cell, hallelujah is an attitude. Hallelujah is a way of life. Hallelujah is a perspective. Ask Paul and Silas when they were going around doing something good, actually cast a demon out of a girl. And the, her owners got mad because she could no longer tell the future and have them thrown in jail unjustly because they were Roman citizens. They get thrown in jail and they're in prison late at night. It says that they were praising and singing hymns to God. They had a hallelujah attitude. Come on, somebody put your hand on your heart. Say, I got a hallelujah attitude. Come on, put your hand on your heart. Say, I got an amen attitude. That's, the, that's what they had. They had that amen, hallelujah attitude. They're just in that thing all locked up. Every, all the prisoners knew there. They just said, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. All of a sudden, an earthquake started into place, and all the prisoners said, "What? Why are they? Why are they praising like that? I don't understand what's going on. Maybe there's something that we can't see. Yeah, there's something that you can't see." You got the living God that's present at every single moment, listening to your heart, waiting for an excuse to cause your prison walls to be broken down in your life. See, that's exactly what happened. And then finally, I mean, it's amazing, too, because even in their situation, the jailer was going to kill himself because they were about to be set free and he didn't do his job. They had to say, no, 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 it's, it's OK. God is good. They led him to God, led his family to God. So through their praise, other people's lives were blessed as well. Don't lose your peace today. If you're ever going to see that dream come to pass, you've got to keep your heart right. Where you, like Joseph, someday can look back at the people that wronged you and have tears in your eyes of compassion 
tears for restoration. You can't get hardened. You can't be driving around all day and say, God, please hit him with a meteorite. Let it happen today. Let it happen. If not today, next week, you know, you can't live like that. Praise will keep your peace. Then you can let it go and give it to God. Let him be the judge. And you go forward, live in your life in peace. Can somebody say hallelujah and amen today? I'm gonna, come on, give him a praise. Give him a shout today. Amen. You stay on your feet for a moment. If you're here today and you do not know the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. He's so good. He loves you. This is all about him. If Jesus did not come to this earth, live the life that we couldn't live, take our sins upon himself, take them to the cross and die on the cross in our stead, we would have no hope. We would be forced to live a life that actually pleases God, and we can't. And we don't just throw up our hands and say, nobody's perfect. That's not the way it works with God. According to God's standards, you have to be perfect. And Jesus is the only one who could fulfill that demand. That's why Jesus had to come. And if you put your faith in Jesus, when the jailer asked Paul and Silas, what do I have to do? They said, you got to believe. So see, this is more than just lifting a hand. It's more than just a moment in a service. It's a moment where you have to believe that Jesus cares for you, that he loves you. He died for you. And you've got to believe that by putting your faith in him, something's going to change in your life from this day forward. And then your life is going to have to demonstrate that once you walk out of this place. This is not like getting a passport or something like that. Where you're like, I got my passport. It's not. No, you've got you to gotta live in a way that reflects that. It's going to be natural for you to do that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and changes your heart. So I'm asking you right now, no one looking around, if you're here today and that's you, you know the Lord is moving in your life. You need to give your heart to Jesus. Those that are watching online, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand and to type in the chat, I'm lifting my hand, I need Jesus in my life. And if you're here in this room, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand above your head on three. No one's looking around, signifying that you need Jesus. One, the Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the building if that's you. Hands going up in every single section, every single section. I see hands in every single section all across this room, front to the back. I believe people are lifting their hands online. Could we pray this prayer together right now? Everyone in the room, say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe that your love covers my sins and washes them away, removes them as far as the east is from the west. I'll serve you from this day forward. I'm going to be a person of praise. Praise is not something I do. It's someone I am. And I thank you for this opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could you give God a great praise today? Amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.